Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Eddie Walk Podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Good morning. We've been talking about putting on a new wardrobe, modeling our lives after the Lord, putting on what Paul tells us to put on in Colossians chapter 3. Last week we talked about putting on compassion. And if you missed it, Erica does the Facebook for our church, and if you missed the quote on compassion, that she put on our Facebook page. You have to go read it. It's worth your time. You might even want to save it. Definitely one of my all-time favorite posts that we've had on Facebook, that post on compassion. Check it out. Last week, we, we talked about compassion. If you didn't pick up on it from the call to worship, this morning we're talking about kindness. And we see it in... Colossians chapter 3, I'd like to read with you verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Can I read that one again? Not because you need it, because I left a very important part out. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you admonish and teach one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Lord, I do thank You and praise You for Your Word. I thank You for how it's living and active, and it does its work. It it helps 
Speak to us. It, it shows us who you are, who we're called to be. It divides joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It convicts us of what we need to be convicted of. It, it gives light to, to where you're guiding. It provides principles that never, ever grow old or go out of fashion. They're timeless. And Lord, I thank you for the call to preach and the time I have right now to share your word. And I pray that we would see your truths, that we would allow your word to shape us. And not the words and voices we hear on TV or on the radio or any other place, Lord. May we be shaped by you, for you, and made like you. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I like a good quote. But there's one saying I really don't like. Nice guys finish last. I don't like that. Not because I've often finished last. But because I think I'm a nice guy. Because being nice is kind of important, I think. I found it interesting where that saying came from. It's only been around for about 70, 75 years. The manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers back in the 1940s. His name was Leo Der... Thank you. <laughs> DeRocher. I didn't even get to finish it. You finished it for me. He was at a baseball practice, and there was one guy who was a great batter. And he really liked this guy, but apparently this guy was a jerk. And the reporter interviewed him and said, Why do you like this guy so much? What about this guy in the field, or this guy, or that guy? And Leo said, Well, you see that guy there? He's, he's, he's awfully nice, and he's nice too. And that's all they're going to be is nice. Nice players. Nice guys finish last. That's how that came about. I, I still don't like it. <laughs> Even though in the origins, I still don't like it. Because you know what I think? I think kindness matters. Kindness never hurt anybody. Even if you kill them with kindness, they're going to be okay. Kindness is a rare commodity these days. And sad thing is, no one trusts it. You try to be nice to somebody on the phone, and they kind of, you can kind of tell over the phone, is this guy for real? <laughs> he must want something. Kindness is a rare commodity. But that shouldn't keep us from putting it on and showing it. We should do it with enthusiasm. When Reagan was a little girl, maybe two or three, and she'd open a birthday present or a Christmas present, and just so you know, I asked if it was okay if I share this. And she said it's okay. 
But she would open up the package, and if it was clothes, she'd want to start taking off whatever she was wearing so she could put on her new clothes. We say, no, honey, not yet. Just. With that same eagerness, may we, his church, put on kindness. You know, I didn't have this in my notes, but the current president at Heritage Christian Services, she always used the quote that she got from Maya Angelou, and you may it too. You may know it too. She would say, People may forget how you act, they may forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And it's true. So if a Christian or a church doesn't show kindness, what are people going to feel? Since we're modeling our lives after the Lord, how do we know the Lord was putting on kindness and that's a part of His character? What kind of kindness does the Lord show? Unfailing kindness. David says so in 2 Samuel chapter 22. There's a psalm, one of David's psalms, right there in 2 Samuel. And listen to what Samuel says in verse 50 and 51 of 2 Samuel chapter 22. Therefore, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Over in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord shows up and says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's even better than an everlasting gobstopper. (laughs) I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you. What does He use to draw people towards Him? Now we're talking about prevenient grace, if we're going to get theological. How does the Lord work to soften hearts and draw people to Him? I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. That word prevenient means like to go before. It's the grace that goes before, the work that He does ahead of time to draw us to Him. How about that? You think He'll use us in our kindness to maybe soften somebody's heart and draw them to Him? He just might. There's a great example of kindness in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You see, when David was growing up, his best friend was a a guy by the name of Jonathan, and Jonathan was the king's son. You get to the end of 1 Samuel, and you'll see that there's a sad ending to King Saul and his son Jonathan. We get to 2 Samuel, and 
King Saul is dead. King David is on the throne now. And in chapter 9, King David says, Is there anybody alive from the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? And someone spoke up and said, Well, yeah, there's, there's Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth. I wonder if Abby and Jeff considered that for Luke. <laughs> Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was most likely a young man at this time. You see, when everything was happening back when the kingdom of Saul... And that was his problem. It was all about him. It was his kingdom. That's what he lived for, not the Lord's kingdom. When that came crumbling down and, and people were getting killed and attacked, Mephibosheth was five years old and his, his, his nurse picked him up to, to run him out to safety. And when, when she did or he did, we don't know. It could have been a male nurse. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. He, they, nurse was running out, fell, broke both of Meshebobeth's legs, and he was crippled from the time he was five years old. But what did the king do? Can I read it to you? It comes from 2 Samuel. Chapter 9. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called to him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. 2 Samuel 4, 4, you'll see where it happened. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. That kind of sounded like that manager's name. No, it doesn't. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. When Mesheba, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay honor to him. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid. I, th- I bet he was really afraid. <laughs> now you think about the way. Saul pursued David to try to kill him. And the way things went down back in the book of Judges and the history of kings and who would take over and slaughter the other king's family, I bet he was afraid, scared to death. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Amazing grace 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Where would be where would we be without God's kindness? Now I'm all lost. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. How about that? Kindness, mercy, and grace. For an enemy. Maybe you saw that coming. Maybe a little foreshadowing. We talked about King Saul chasing King David. But David did that for his enemy. Luke chapter 6. Jesus talks about kindness. And we all know the golden rule and can probably quote it by heart. But I was reminded in my study this week that the golden rule comes right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' teaching and preaching about how we should love our enemies. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, please hear him. I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your cloak, wait a second, we talked about cloaks recently. Do you remember that? We talked about cloaks last week. Last week we talked about how God is compassionate. We see that compassion in Exodus chapter 22 when He's laying out social responsibilities for God's people. And and He talks about, hey... If someone borrows your cloak, give it back to them before nightfall so that they won't get cold, right? What does Jesus do while He's here on this earth? Says the same thing and challenges, tells us to go even farther. Listen. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Oh, this holiness preacher wants to say there's a sanctification message right there. Giving everything. Giving it all to Him. Because it's all His anyway, right? Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, 
What credit is that to you? Now, I like to envision Jesus when He preaches this right now. Maybe He does air quotes. Because listen, He says this, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid. But love your enemies. I don't know why Jesus kept saying sinners over and over again. Maybe it's a reminder that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That comes from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I turn there because I don't want to forget verse 24 either. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We all sin, but we all can freely receive the kindness He offers and the redemption that's there in Christ Jesus. Back to Luke 6 so we can finish Jesus' little portion of His sermon there. He says in verse 35, But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them. Without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Now that bothers me. Does it bother you? I mean, come on. When I do something nice for somebody, I like a thank you. Or a thank you note. Some kind of acknowledgement. And here it says, God is kind to the ungrateful. And when we put on kindness, that means... That's right. We're to be kind. To the ungrateful and the wicked. Jesus wraps it up there by saying, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. But you see, the thing about kindness is it's good for everyone. Even those who might be ungrateful or wicked. Can I leave you with this? And it might be the verses to keep your Bible marked at and read each day through the week. Titus. Chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. 
Maybe if we just dwell there this week, dwell on that kindness, it'll help us show kindness, help us put it on with enthusiasm. But Paul really sums it up, the the kindness of the Lord and how our kindness benefits everyone. Titus chapter 3, verse 4, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because anything righteous that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable. Father, I thank You for extending Your kindness, Your unfailing kindness, and kindness is to us. And Lord, what a difference You make when we experience that rebirth and renewal found only in Jesus. What a difference it makes that we're born again. The old is gone, the new is come, and that means the anger, the malice, The filthy language on our lips is gone. And people no longer feel that meanness. Because, Lord, help us as we wear Your kindness. Forgive us of those times when we've been unkind. Lord, maybe You need to convict our hearts so that we can reconcile and apologize to someone we may have been unkind to. But Lord, may Your love, Your grace and mercy, and Your kindness be evident in Your people. And I thank You that we don't do all this Christian stuff alone. That Jesus, You are in us. You are for us. And Holy Spirit, You fill us. And it's in that power we live to glorify You. And it's in the power of Your name, Jesus, I pray these things. May Your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Go out and share the love and kindness of the Lord in all You say and do this week. Lord bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.